0: Let's see how far we get tonight. So if there's a blueprint for church structure, life as a Christian, what it looks like, it's the book of Acts. Many call it the Acts of the Apostles, but really it should be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's a more proper title. So let's pray let's pray this together. Holy Spirit, we need you. Open the eyes of our understanding. Remove any thorns and thistles, any stony ground. Ward away any birds in the air. Let your seed fall on good ground. Release to us the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We humble ourselves. Helper, help. In Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Acts, chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to both do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after. He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles with whom he chose. And I love this because here even Jesus himself is giving commands to us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself giving commands by the Holy Spirit, which really sets the tone in the context for everything that's about to happen. He says this, to whom he also presented himself alive, After his suffering, by many infallible proofs, many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, resurrected in the earth, Jesus, forty days, glorified body. All right, what was really cool is he still ate, which was I think is super interesting. I don't know if you ever caught that, like in the Gospels. Uh, he's glorified, and they're in the boat fishing, and he's over on the shore, and he decides, and I bet you he caught the fish, which tells you he enjoys, you know. And it's like, why do you think he caught it? Because if he just snapped his fingers and got the fish, he would have just snapped his fingers and had it cooked. But he literally was there cooking, and he enjoyed it. But anyway, little nugget on, on just Jesus likes these things, you know. He likes fires. He likes cooking. He likes fish. He likes those things. I like fires. I like cooking. I like fish. Anyway, yeah, he likes throwing the line. He enjoys it, you know. He likes it. He likes enjoying his creation, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Fox, like Jesus, sounds like my kind of dude. All right, uh, he says he was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is very important. Because we like to think even, and I believe some of it is in the pinning of it, that the letters that the apostles write later on only came to them in the moment. But we see there's 40 days that Jesus spent with them on the earth, expounding to them the things of the kingdom, which I believe many of them they write later in their letters. Then he says this, And being assembled together with them, so he calls them to himself, he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem. What were they going to depart from Jerusalem to do? Spread the gospel. But God gave a command to wait on fulfilling a command he had already given. And he says this. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John, the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I like this because, uh, w- remember, he says not many days. So I want to show you what Jesus thinks not many days is and kind of the way his mind works on time because we think not many days means like three days. Well, I am going to show you what Jesus thinks not many days means. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? It's interesting that this whole time they've been walking with Jesus, and he's been preaching and teaching them about the kingdom that will be within them by the Holy Spirit, yet they're still trying to set him up to rule an earthly kingdom. They're still missing it, you know? So then, so then Jesus said, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Basically, like, don't worry about that. But you shall receive power. Instead, focus on the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I find this very interesting. They are coming to Jesus speaking to him about some kind of natural worldly kingdom in some kind of political kingdom structure that would affect the world in which they live in and the thing that Jesus points them back to is the holy spirit and winning souls. They're saying it's not for you to worry about that. It's not for you to concern yourself with when God is going to come and make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. That's what he's saying. It's not, that's not your priority. That's not your focus. And he immediately points them to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the winning of souls. If that was the assignment good enough for the apostles, my God, I think it's an assignment good enough for me. What about you? Man. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. He ascended before their very eyes. He didn't just disappear. He actually ascended up into the heavens before their very eyes. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, so they obviously, he's ascending and they followed and watched him go up they're looking towards the heavens. It says, As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now we know that when it says men, though, it's not talking about a normal man. These are angelic beings. They said, All they also who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus will descend out of heaven and into the earth again. This is known as his second coming. When Christ will split the sky at the sound of the last trumpet, when every eye will see Him, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, the wicked will cry out for the mountains to fall on them because they know that the day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. It will be a horrible day for the wicked, cowardice, unmoral, unbelieving, but it will be a glorious day for those of us who have put our faith, hope, and trust in the name and the blood and the resurrection and the life of Jesus, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which was near Jerusalem. A Sabbath's day's journey took them about a week, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I find it very interesting because uh, it says that they continued with one accord in prayer. Do you do you really know what that one accord means? It means one mind thinking and agreeing upon the same thing. Now we know these guys; they often had disputes and and often disagreements i mean john and james got their mother showing up saying hey can my boys sit at your left and right and jesus is like you don't really know what you're asking but uh appreciate the enthusiasm but um no and then everybody else is what are you why how dare you ask that you know and they're having their things so what were they in one accord about here in this moment they were in one accord about waiting upon the promise that jesus said he would give They're in one accord about receiving power and being witnesses for God. That's what they're in one accord about. They're in one accord about what Jesus said to do. And I love this because in the body of Christ that is so diversified and filled with so many different peoples, creeds, colors, backgrounds, and upbringings, we can always come into one accord when we allow everything, every bit of our experiences, every bit of our opinions, every bit of our perspective to die and come under the submission of the word of the living God. This is the unified... This de, this destroys racism. This destroys superiority complexes. This destroys social, economical classes. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter your background, upbringing, had a mom, had a dad, had both. Doesn't matter. All that can die and come up under the subjection of this, and we can agree right here. It is the ultimate authority. And that's what they did. They showed us a key here of Unity. They showed us how to be in one accord. Line your life up with the words of Jesus. I say it often. I don't have to worry about being always right. I can assume I'm always wrong and God's always right. Then it'll be really rare when I'm wrong. Because when I'm wrong, it'll mean I didn't line up with God. And we know those are the moments that we all fall short. Of the glory of God. And thank God for his forgiving grace in those moments. But I don't have this need to be right. I don't, I'm not dependent on me being right. I know I was wrong. I, I know I was led astray by Satan. But I can come right here and line myself up with the one who is always right. Then it goes on to say. And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. All together the number and, and names was about a hundred and twenty. So there's 120 here. And said, Men and brethren, the scripture had to be filled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle. And all his entrails gushed out, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their own language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live there, live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out from among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. I love this because it alludes all the disciples. Many of them were disciples of John. Many of them had been there since Jesus. they saw the Lord baptized in water. They saw him come up out of the water, the audible voice of God speak this is my beloved son in whom I well please the heavens part and the spirit descend like a dove to rest upon him it's very amazing then it says this and they proposed to joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed justice and matthias and they prayed and said you o lord who know the hearts of all show which of these two you have chosen I love this because personally it, it, it teaches a lesson that we don't ever have to worry about promotion or position in the kingdom. That God knows hearts and God chooses. That we can trust his timing, his choosing. It's very, it's very freeing. It frees us to just love Jesus, to love Jesus. And he says this to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might know, might go to his own place. And they cast their lots. Mm. Sorry, I want to stop. You know, it's super interesting that you see this really also is another little point of Scripture that you can really deal with once saved, always saved. And you can just see it that Judas had a part. He was an apostle. And he went to his own place. He fell. Away, he's gone. Some will say, well, he was never really born again because the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent. Well, then how was the woman called in adultery sins forgiven? The Son of Man had power on the earth to forgive sins. So just for those of you, I know many of you run into that line of thought quite a bit, which is a very interesting point. That he says they were. he was literally... He doesn't say Judas who was faking to be a part of this ministry and faking have an apostleship. That's not what the Word of God says. It says Judas who was in this ministry and had an apostleship. Legitimate. And they cast their lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all in one, with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. Some people like to say that this is just symbolic. I, I encourage you that when you read the word, if it says that it appeared to be a tongue of fire, a lapping Flame, I would encourage you to believe that there was actually a lapping flame that manifested in the room that everybody saw. It wasn't metaphorical. It wasn't, what is the other one? Uh, an- anagorical. Is that it? Am I saying there? Allegorical. Yeah. It's not that. It's, it's literal. Tongue of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. I love this too, um, because this really destroys that they were, they understood the language that they were speaking. Because what it says is it says they were given an ability to speak other tongues other than what? Other than their natural language. And it says, as the spirit gave them utterance, this does not mean that they just voluntarily began to speak whatever language they wanted to speak. That's not what this was. This was a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak his own language. Does it say does it say that they spoke everyone's language? They heard. Their ears heard their language. It does not say that the apostles, uh, because I I want to, so there's 120 people in the upper upper room speaking in tongues, okay? So you're going to tell me that in Jerusalem from all over the world, that there's, each one was speaking 120 different languages and that that was going on. But that's what happened. In my experience, I have seen and heard of people beginning to speak and understand other languages, which would be tongues and the interpretation of of tongues. But I personally have also heard and know of and have experienced myself speaking in other tongues or unknown tongues, unknowns to me. Announced to the perfect person speaking them and the person who is hearing hear their own dialect uh, It happened to a man named sandy Culkin, who many of us have said under his ministry a uh, very prophetic guy That's how he got born again. Somebody was speaking in tongues and he heard hebrew He was he's a messianic jew, but before them. He was just jewish He just followed the Jewish faith, but he heard somebody was speaking in unknown tongues and he heard Hebrew and he walked up to him and said, you know, Hebrew. And the guy was like, "Nah, what are you talking about? Well, I just heard you speak in Hebrew. He was like, I was speaking in tongues and began to explain it to him. And that's how he came to know Jesus. That's when Paul talks about it being a sign to an unbeliever. In that context. I was sitting in Red Wing one day and an Arabic man came in, Muslim man, and we're speaking about Jesus. And because they take the teachings of Jesus, they just think Jesus is a prophet. And I'm like, no, he's the prophet. And he, (laughs) capital P, (laughs) he's God, you know, equal with. But we're talking and something in me just began to rise up. And I just began out of my belly to speak in Rambah. I just started to go right at him. And he's looking at me and he goes, you know, Arabic. I said, no, sir. <laughs> I said, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I began to, to, teach, to teach him. And listen, he was like, I, he, he did leave not born again, but he was like, it's like in his conversation, he's like, I'm like this close. You know, he was talking about like even bringing people back to get healing and like, it's crazy. You know, he was like, I'm this close. It, was, it reminded me of Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus was so close. To coming into the kingdom. How many of you have seen that episode of the chosen Nicodemus? Oh, oh, man, you got to see that. It, it just messes me up. I weep for Nicodemus so close, you know, so close to entering. And it was like one of those moments. But my point is that's what, uh, that's what happened. So they were hearing their own language. I'm trying to look something up here. So there were nine days, it said, nine days between the ascension of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not many days for Jesus was about nine. Not many days was about nine for Jesus. Just so we, just when you think about that, when you think about, I'll pray for a couple days. We're like, a day. (laughs) Next day we're like, yeah, I heard God, I'm ready to make a decision. (laughs) No, it's like, mm. not many days. So anyway, and there were two, or we went there. They each heard them speak his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? They knew they, they there's no way they knew their language. And how is it, listen, that we hear each in our own language? So it paints this picture like me and Jim are standing by Paul, and Paul's speaking in tongues. And I speak Egyptian, and I'm hearing my language. And Jim's standing here, and he speaks Greek, but he's hearing his language. It's a supernatural event, I, and I, I want to—I want us as a body to get away from trying to rationalize and trying to walk out scientific especially those of us who have a more prone scientific mind and thinking and oh well that could have been this and that no 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 you got to understand this is the god who makes ax heads float you know you there's no science that can science away metal coming up to the surface okay you just can't science that away all right i'm sorry Elisha taking off a mantle and striking the water and it's splitting and him walking across on dry land. You just can't science that away. Well, just right in the right amount, moment, right in the right moment, this wind came and moved and it was just happenstance. No, no, no. Power. Power. This is the God we serve. This is how he operates. He doesn't leave you questioning, was this God? Parthians and Medes. He says each, it's interesting too. It says they heard their language in which they were born too. It was their native language. It wasn't even just a dialect they speak. It was the, literally God. It was literally a word of knowledge in the moment. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit speaking in a word of knowledge as well of where they were born. Like, that's so supernatural. Powerful. We need this. We, we need this. Perithians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, adjoining serene visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed. Can I tell you, God loves to amaze and perplex. God's not boring. If our walk with Jesus is boring, it's a good indicator either Jesus has walked ahead of us or we're pretty far behind. Because everywhere Jesus goes, it's swirly. Just say it. I'm speaking to myself too. If I'm like, well, I'm not encountering Jesus. In my prayer closet right now, what's going on? I've literally been like, well, what's going on? I don't know. So I went outside and I made a campfire and I changed my scene. I'm like, I'm going to try to find him out here. And guess what? The peace of God came. I'm like, why? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but he's here. You know, I'm looking for him. You will see he li- what he likes, he likes fire. You will seek me or you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You know, it's, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings. We're priests and kings under our God. Ladies, you can be kings. If we're brides, you're kings. Priests and kings unto our God. It's the glory of kings to search it out. God loves to play that. Listen, he loves it. Listen, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. They are full of new wine. So this doesn't only tell me that they're speaking with other tongues in different languages. This tells me that there is an appearance of intoxication as well. Like, you don't explain away. Like, a, a rational explanation of people speaking in different tongues is they're scholars and they've been studying all these different languages, you wouldn't, your mind wouldn't go to oh, they're drunk. That's not what would happen. They were full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose. He does not say they are not drunk. He says they aren't drunk like you think they are. They ain't drunk like you think. But they drunk on something. Here we go. So since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. I love this too because um, you're about to see where even everything in the Bible complements and builds off itself. Because you're going to find in Corinthians when Paul begins to speak about the gifts of the Spirit, he says to those who speak in tongues, pray also that you might interpret. Right? Why? Because when you interpret the tongues and the message is clear and comes out to the body, it becomes prophecy. It edifies and builds up. And you say, well, it doesn't specifically say tongues becomes prophecy. Yeah, but what is prophecy? And I'm going to teach a lot on this tomorrow in the evening. But what is prophecy? Prophecy is hearing God and repeating what was said in the simplest form. So if you are speaking in unknown tongues, and it's, we know it's praises unto God, I'm speaking... Mysteries, praises unto God. It's my spirit speaking unto God. When that is interpreted, it becomes prophecy. It becomes a message. And I'm going to show you right here that Peter calls tongues prophecy. Look, but this is what Joel spoke about. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. If you go back a few... uh, a, a few verses, it says, we hear them, verse 11, speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They're proclaiming the works, of they're prophesying, and they were hearing prophetic utterance coming from the apostles, although the apostles had no idea what they were saying as they're speaking in unknown tongues. Does that make sense? That's awesome. So anyway, it says, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream Dreams. I love this. Guys, this is what we are in right here. This is the turning point, the hinge point of scripture, if you will, for what we live in right now. This is the staple invitation to experience life with God right here. If you want to see what's accessible for you, if you want to see what's open to you, if you want to see what God has called you to, right here. And it shall come to pass. I'll pour out my spirit. You're called to have the spirit poured out on you. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You are called to prophesy. You want to know how you know you're called to prophesy? The spirit's been poured out on you. Young men shall dream visions. Sorry, shall see visions, and old men shall dream dreams. I'm called to have visions and dreams. Accessible. You you know the in the old days the Bible the Bible says that in the old times God spoke to the prophets through visions and through dreams. Moses said a very interesting verse, and I love this. God will often drop little nuggets in the middle of Scripture that are mysteries and they're hidden to be revealed later. And Moses says this very interesting. He says, God would that all men would be prophets. What is a prophet? We're not talking about the office function in the New Testament. We're not talking about that. What is a prophet in the essence? What is it? Somebody who hears God's words and repeats it. That's a prophet. I know often we think all prophets, Prophets speak future events, but often they would speak what was in the heart of a person. They would reveal. They would give ultimatums. They would say, if you don't do this, then do that. Again, I'm going to teach on a lot of this tomorrow. But if, if, you know, don't do this, don't do that. If you will do this, this will happen. A lot of stuff was contingent upon our obedience. But simply, they would hear God. Like, read a lot of the prophets. It's a conversation between a God and a man. They're literally just hearing God and writing it down. What's he saying? He's saying now every single person that this spirit has been poured out on has an ability to hear God and repeat what he says. It's beautiful. It's an amazing invitation. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. This is a fulfillment of God's desire that all would be prophets. Little P, not big P. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not talking about all or the office and function and We're not getting into all that or or more like function and gift. We're not talking about that. But all, every believer that has the spirit poured out in them can hear God, have visions, have dreams. And, you know, you're freely, if you ever needed permission to go after this stuff, it's right here. Go for it. You can have it. And on my men servants and my maid servants, nobody will be left out, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. How many of you know we're in those days? I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Uh, we had several Sundays ago oil and gold all over my hand just randomly, you know, every bush about everybody in the room could see it. We, we've seen just crazy weird stuff. The Holy Spirit breaks out signs in the earth. But why He does it, I don't know? It just he does it. He does many extraordinary signs and wonders through the hands of the apostles, which we'll see in here. Uh, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. It's interesting, too. Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. If you, if you take into context, where does God speak about the blood? It's the blood of Jesus. It's mercy. When does God speak about fire? I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. And when do we see smoke, the glory of God filling a room? Then he says this. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved now is the day of salvation. This is what we have entered into. Let's see where we're at. We'll probably land it at verse 28 we'll land it there. So we're Oh, yeah, yeah. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming and the great and awesome or another translation says terrible day of the Lord. So, again, we have entered into the last days. This is this is the hinge point that in in the last days says God. So we entered hinged in stepped into the last days at this point in history. Almost 2,000 years ago or 2,000 plus years ago. Boy, you better know we're in the last seconds of the last minute, of the last hour, of the last days. Um, Anyway, he says, "And And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man, capital M, obviously God, Attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. I want to stop right here and destroy a demonic teaching, a doctrine of men, if that's all right. I just want to crack it wide open and just break it if it's ever gotten in any of us. There is a teaching that says, They take out of context what Jesus said to the Pharisees saying, it's a wicked generation that seeks signs and wonders to thwart us from, from believing in or thinking that signs and wonders should be prevalent. It's taking it out of context. What Jesus is saying is you're a wicked, unbelieving generation if you're saying, I won't believe it unless I see a sign. It's that, well, you bet you're just going to have to show me. That's the part posture that God's calling wicked. He's not calling the presence of signs and wonders wicked, or to believe God for signs and wonders, or to think that the gospel needs signs and wonders. You want to know how I know the gospel needs signs and wonders? Because every time anybody sent to preach the gospel, sent from God, they showed up with signs and wonders. Why do I think the gospel needs signs and wonders? Because God says it does. That God himself attested to himself by what? Signs and wonders. God attested to his message by the hands of the apostles through what? Signs and wonders. God attested to the message by Philip the evangelist through what? Signs and wonders. I'm telling you, it's the of God. It's so the... Of God, in the last days there will be many false signs and wonders. Why will there need to be many false signs and wonders? Because there will be authentic signs and wonders prevalent. And it will be the fight between Moses and the sorcerers where Moses is throwing the staff to the ground and it's turning to a snake. I feel the Lord. And the Egyptians are throwing the staff to the ground and it's turning to a snake. And Moses is turning water into blood and the Egyptians are turning to water in the blood. But I'm going to tell you there's going to come a time when the devil, those followers, cannot mimic what's mimicked in the house of God. Because you know what they can't do? They cannot cast out devils. You know what they cannot do? They cannot heal the sick and let them remain healed. They cannot. A a house divided against itself cannot stand and will not stand. They may do all the other little stuff, but it ain't going to happen. The kundalini spirit's already running around trying to convince people that when people shake, rattle, and roll, fall down, get up, and delivered of of demons, delivered of of alcoholism, that that they're the same thing. Mimicking what God does—that's a false sign. That's a fulfillment of in the last days there'll be false signs and wonders. The Kundalini spirit is a fulfillment of that word. He does it: (laughs) Reiki healing, psychics, mediums, (laughs) deception. Yeah. (laughs) Man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves. Also, no, the unbelieving heart says I need to see a sign before I follow the believing heart will see signs as they follow. I said the unbelieving heart will say I need to see a sign before I follow, but the believing heart will see signs as they follow these signs follow those who believe. Him being delivered by the determined purposes and the foreknowledge of God, you having taken by lawless hands, has crucified and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him. I want to pause right here to tell you one of the evidences of a true outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that you can't help but talk about what Jesus did. You can't help but you might explain, hey, this is the Holy Spirit, but it always comes right back to Jesus. The gospel will come forth. And says this. For David says, concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh, even my flesh, also will rest in. Hope. I love this because God, when he saved you, he saved your soul, he saved your spirit, and he saved your flesh. Your flesh even, that darn flesh, can find rest in him, and hope in him. What's the hope in the flesh (laughs) that we find, the rest that we find for hope in our flesh? Is that one day we're going to trade it off for something glorious? (laughs) One day I'm going to take off this tent, this this temporary thing, and put on that eternal body, glorified. For you will not leave my soul in Hades or hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. He's speaking of Jesus being resurrected from the dead. You have made known to me the ways of life. I love this. You have made known to me the ways of life. There's so much in this little Chap this numb this Acts chapter two. There's so much we're gonna land as soon as I read the rest of this verse. We're gonna pray and we're gonna land because there's so much and I don't want to rush through it. Has this been good? Are you receiving something? Yeah, it's good. Listen, there's so much like you could camp out in Acts chapter two and know how you're supposed to live your life right here. Preaching the gospel, having dreams, having visions, prophesying, experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You have made known to me the ways of life. What is the ways of life? You will make me full of joy in your presence. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Mm. You will make me full of joy in your presence. The ways of life, this Christian life, The way of life ever since the beginning of the last days is meant to be lived in and out of the presence of the almighty God. I want you to understand what Jesus did when he died on the cross. I want you to understand that the blood of Jesus washed away every stain of your sin. I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit then came inside of you and made you to become a new creature, a new creation. He gave you a new nature, a nature of righteousness, okay? That it would no longer be your nature to do wicked, but to follow God. That what was then you would want to follow him as a father. We cry out, Abba, Father, okay? But what he also did by removing the stain of your sin and by splitting the veil that separates us from the most holy of holies in the temple where God's presence was, He made our own bodies his temple. And he literally gave us unhindered everyday access to his presence. You must understand, you really must, in order to be fully grateful, you must understand what it means to be born on this side of the cross. You must understand what privilege it has been that you were born on this side, that you can get what Isaiah longed for. That you can get what Ezekiel cried out for. That you can get what David just over and over again in the Psalms wept and mourned and begged for. You freely have it. What are you doing with it? A day that goes by outside of God's presence is a day off the path of life. I said a day that goes by outside of God's presence is a day outside of the path of life. What a glorious gospel, man. What a glorious Jesus. What an amazing God. This is so much hope and encouragement. I'm telling you, no matter what trial you face, the presence is there. I'm telling you that no matter what someone says to you, you have access to the presence. You can enter into the holy of holies. I'm telling you, the antidote to what you need when you're sitting there at home and you're feeling all out of sorts is not to binge watch Netflix. The hope and the antidote is to get in the presence of God. And that's the path of life. And that's the joy. I'm telling you, when anxiety tries to come on you and tries to crush you worrying about all your bills and this relationship and that relationship, the answer isn't to date more, to work more, to do more. It's to be still, and no God. You have shown me the way of life, the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and life forevermore. This is the path of life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the path of life. I thank you for the word, God, tonight. I thank you that we're going to leave here, Lord, set free Full of you and on a one track, narrow road, narrow mind to pursuing the person and presence of Jesus. I want you to understand tonight that as we pray this, church, that when you are in the presence, you are with God. You are in God. You need to understand that. That the word presence is the same word for face, it's the same word for face. And listen, if you are in my presence, I am present. You cannot be in my presence if I am not present in the room. Man, he loves you. He's longing for that continual communion in his presence, and it is the path of life. God, I pray right now that you would stir us up. I thank you that as we journey through your word, Lord, that you're equipping and training us. I thank you that as uh, everyone in this room goes out and everyone listening goes out into their life, Lord, it'll be full of your joy, your power and your presence. I hope everyone tonight takes serious and reverence what you have given us on this side of the cross and we begin to pursue all that you have made accessible for us, all for your glory and your name. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, God. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.